to sit before you and hear your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all flesh and nothing's too hard for you. Lord, I just ask you to help us today to understand you, to trust you, to invest our time and our energy, our thoughts into you, our, our being into you, that we would trust you and trust you alone. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that we don't smell of smoke. Amen. We don't smell of smoke. Uh, as believers, <clears throat> you need to understand that this world is a testing place for your faith. It's also the place where God has ordained a good life for us. So uh, what we're doing here is we are pursuing the good life, but we're pursuing it in Christ. We're not pursuing it according to the old ways. Uh, because the old ways is a, a trick. You know, it may look good for a season, but if you continue in the ways of the world, <clears throat> it will not turn out to be a good life and one of the ways that you can tell is the aroma so to speak and the witness that we impart on this earth this is you know them by their fruits amen and so one of the things that we as believers have to keep into the things of God is our witness and also the impression that we leave down here on earth, more or less the odor or the savor or the perfume that follows us as we live in this earth. And so we want to always make sure that our witness speaks of God and speaks of Jesus Christ. But that will only happen if we uh, uh, do everything in him. It won't happen if we're doing things kind of like the world world's ways. So in Daniel, in chapter 1, I'll just give you an overview of what we see in chapter 1. In chapter 1, you see a test that Daniel is put through. And the first test has to do with when you're not around the people that keep everything in order, do you still serve God? You know what I'm saying? So uh, this was during the Babylonian captivity. And so the sacrifice system, the priesthood, none of that was present for the Israelite. But God was. See, your, your serving God does not depend on what the minister does. It doesn't depend on what your church does. And it doesn't depend on because God is with you. And your, your service in church is very important. And your attendance there is important because it imparts to you the strength to serve and the knowledge to serve. And you take that knowledge out with you so that you can serve God on a day-to-day -day basis. So all of these things work together. You can't uh, single them out. But in the absence of these things, you know, who do you serve? In the absence of these things, who do you serve? So that's where Daniel was in chapter 1. And the first thing that happened was that he was... He was seen as someone who had favor. So the favor of God then comes upon him. You know, people in the world will flatter you and tell you that you're all this. And, oh, I like the way you, where do you go to church? And you know so much about that Bible. And you, do you know, this kind of stuff. And uh, kind of get you to 
own that for yourself instead of giving glory to God and, and uh, you know keeping yourself in the position of being a servant and a representative and, and really these things don't belong to you but but they are a part of God and God has Im- imparted these things to you that you might share them with the earth you know and, and so uh, and you can always tell because if you go a step further and invite them to church they back away you got me so they'll they'll try and flatter you with something you think they're saying is valuable to them but when it comes a time for them to partake of it they got something more interesting to do and so but this is part of our witness and these things will happen to us what but it depends what it it really boils down to is how strong is God in your life in the absence of things that would tend to make him strong for you so you see here there in in Babylon and they've been captured but the favor of God still abides on his people I don't care where you are uh, that favor of God that that uh, mark of God so to speak uh, that separateness that sanctification that set apartness that the Holy Spirit imparts to you is still very very visible to people they may not know what it is they may not respect it they don't want it for themselves but they know it's there and so uh, when that's there uh, then your witness is secure but you will be tested you know uh, we're all going to be tested in these areas there's always going to be a temptation for us to let go of that strong commitment to God you know sometimes it's not like you well it's not I I still pray I still do this I still do that you know but is that really what is pleasing to God for you see you'll find out in the test because in order to be pleasing to God uh, you've got to uh uh have God in that situation with you 100% and follow him 100% to the degree that when you come out you've been refined you've been purified you've been greater in God and you don't smell of smoke that's your goal your goal is to come out having more honor more glory more perfection imparted to you than you went in and I'm telling you now we got a bunch of people in leadership in the body of Christ who are flunking miserably the testings of God they're flunking miserably uh, because they're they're yet they yet have the taste of the world in their mouths see when you uh, who was it Korah that saw the Babylonian garment and just had to take it you know when the eyes of the world the eyes the things that the world uh, enjoys uh, starts to fill your eyes and fill your heart uh, then you you are God's going to test you to see which way you can go with this God wants devoted people he's looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle and that's what we're all headed toward folks is the great refinement and so there are going to be some things where you'll be able to see some truth of God in things but because it's not 100% God you can't swallow any of it you gotta leave the whole thing on the plate and say you know what part of this sounds right and part of this sounds like it's from God but it's not holy God it's not holy God you got me if it's not holy God then you leave all of that on the plate God doesn't doesn't uh, empower you to sit there and pick through somebody's garbage and find stuff to eat you're supposed to eat at the king's table you're to dine at his table he's got a place that's like you know Miss Wanda you have three children and and if if you set the the dinner table and in uh, Christina and in Shakoya sat there Frederick decided he was going to go eat out of the the kitty bowl 
the cat food bowl. I just can't quite sit at the table and eat with everybody. We have a lot of people like that in, in, in God's kingdom. They, they can't dine where God tells them that they can't take that position that he's created they can't quite see themselves the way God sees them and they're always scurrying off looking for something else to feed themselves on that's not sitting at the father's table what's wrong you scared he gonna make you eat too much spinach today you scared he's not gonna let you have that second helping of butter on your bread what's the problem you see what I'm saying? So there's something wrong there. Where, where in the Bible talks about in the end times people will heap to them teachers because their ears are itching. for It's an itching inside of you. And you don't trust the Father to tell you if that itch is okay and let him scratch that itch for you and provide what you need. You, you are yet eating beneath your privileges. But many times people think they're they're eating better than everybody else is. So that's the other trick of the devil. To to deceive you into thinking you're special and God's got something special for you. And so that's why you're over there because you're special. And so we have to watch ourselves with these ideas, these identity problems that we have. Because when you get in certain places, your identity will be tested and shaken and if there's something there that's not mm, so in Daniel chapter 1 it says here verse 3 you know this is the captivity king spoke to Ashpenaz the master of the eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel not everybody certain ones you got me these were people that this God was shining in them like he wasn't shining in everybody else see when God maps when God fingers you for great things and he's got us all fingered for that folks but will we take to it that's that's the whole thing are you are you in it 100% or are you reserving something yet for yourself and he brought certain of the children of Israel and the kings and of the king's seed and of the princes so these are the highest potential people in the kingdom children in whom was no blemish in other words, there's nothing defiling in there. There's nothing of the world still left. There's nothing that, that can hinder and trip you up. And so you're, you're, you're purely devoted to God. God's got your whole heart. And, and you don't want to do anything unless the Father it meets his approval. Children in whom was no blemish but well favored, skillful, skillful in all wisdom. In other words, this was an inner working thing. This wasn't just on the outside looking good to everybody. This was an inner working. How many times in the world have we seen the people that look good on the inside, but they're crackheads and dope addicts and, and can't sleep at night and, you know, just totally flawed people on the inside because the world so exalts what's outer? rather than what's inner you got me a lot of times people uh, are are being deceived and fooled by these things you know you see these people who, uh you know well i had this plastic surgery and they think they look good and they look grotesque you know everybody's got all these eyes that don't close anymore and and you know <laughs> lips that don't work anymore and and they think they look good 
You can't tell these people. This doctor went in there and they cut them all up and stuck a mirror in front of them and told them they look good and they believe what they. You, you understand what I'm saying? There's spiritual essence to these things, folks. There's spiritual. There's spiritual essence to reflections, and and how you view yourself. How you view yourself is very much a, a matter of your spirit and your soul. It's not so much what, what's right there. You know, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, all that kind. In other words, you can make up any kind of story about how you look to yourself you want to make up. And go run on out and like the emperor's clothing. You know, he's running around there with nothing on telling everybody how good he looked in his new clothes. And so we, we have to realize that the master of deception is the prince of this world. And you don't want to fall into his hands. You want to always stay where God wants you. Always be satisfied with who God created you to be. And be satisfied when you allow him to do his creative work in you and that kind of thing. So these were well-favored kids, cunning in knowledge and understanding science. And had and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. In other words, the king didn't want you around if you was junk. You understand me? Important people don't want to associate with people of, of lesser quality. You understand what I'm saying? And so even in the world that's true. You see uh, Donald Trump's got all this money. He's got all this influence. And I don't blame him. He works hard. He's worked hard to earn what I mean. He got a small inheritance to start start from his father. But where you see him at is as a result of his effort and hard work. His first wife helped him quite a bit when they were first got started. But he's he's put a lot of effort into it. And so when these people come and don't measure up, I don't blame him for getting rid of them. They just don't fit in with where he's going. I wish Christians could be as discerning. If somebody doesn't fit in with where you're going in God, number one, you got to know where you're going. So that's part of the a big part of the puzzle, the piece of the puzzle right there. You got to know, and you got to have from God where you're on your way to. You got me. And if you find that that there are people that come into your life that don't fit in, you got to be willing to walk away. You can't always be running behind you, picking somebody up and carrying them because you think that's the way to live. You've got to allow God to bring people in and out of your life. It can be tough sometimes if you're one of these emotional kind of people. You know, if you get uh, lonesome easily or, or, you know, you feel like, you know, you're incomplete and all this kind of nonsense, you know, you just, <laughs> you gotta you got to learn how to let God God fill you and when there's something else going on he'll bring that into your life you got to be patient to wait on God to bring things into your life so they had all these great abilities but they still need teaching you got me says here whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans so that's us we got to be taught the learning and the tongue of God We've got gifts, we've got abilities, but we still need teaching and we still need learning. And so these young men knew what they needed and part of their training was to to eat the king's food. If you're going to be identified with something, you've got to go 100%. And so when you're identified with God, we eat the food of the word, don't we? 
we listen to the word we speak the word to ourselves we use the word to minister to us we use the word to minister to others so we eat God's food every day we meditate on it we make it a part of us we embrace it all of that stuff so we're there to to complete the gifting and the calling through our learning and that's what that's what you come to church for that's what you get involved in ministry for you know that you can complete your learning but the king here appointed them a daily provision of his meat and of the wine that he drank so and he nourished them three days that at the end of that they might stand before the king so the king's evaluating them Mm -hmm. i know we don't think about god as evaluating us but he does you know he's not giving you a test and telling you whether you flunk or pass but he's evaluating us before we're promoted Mm -hmm. he sees how we handled the last great thing he gave us to do or the last small thing he gave us to do whatever he gave us to do he evaluates how we handled that what did you do with that that God told you to do what did you do with your ability to minister to people what did you do with your your uh, opportunities to share Christ with people what did you do with your uh, times that you had with God uh, to meditate and understand the word did you get as much as you could get did you talk to God at all did you ask him for the things that you need etc and so that administration of what God gives you is very very important and so he he evaluates us before he entrusts us with more or the next level of things and he says and he gives the names of the children Daniel we know him had a Shadrach Meshach and Abednego because those were the famous names that was the names that they got famous under unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names and and so forth but Daniel purposed in his heart this is where it's very important folks what do you say in your you've got to purpose in your heart not just let it run through like a good idea or an emotional idea or something that you would like to do one day when things get better or you know when things slow down here or when they get better here or you know many times people want to do things when they get more money and that time never comes you know all you need to do is put faith in God in the place of whatever it is you think you're waiting on what you need to do is put your faith out there in God and see what it brings in so this is all part of our learning in God folks how to to get out out of that worldly mentality of how to accomplish things in our lives and understand how God's kingdom operates and 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 yield to that kingdom but the first thing that the kingdom works on is devotion to God worship of God that's number one on his list I'm you the Lord your God I don't want you to have no other gods before me and so that first commandment's got to be kept and so Daniel saw probably what was happening to these young people who were just like him the king brings them in because they look healthy they're wise they're uh, and after eating that stuff and drinking wine at every meal they're stupid and Daniel sees that he sees that the world's the way the world processes things is is a deteriorating in the life of a Christian 
he sees that the way that the world lives is it takes away from the gifting takes away from the understanding takes away from the wisdom takes away from the knowledge it takes away it doesn't in- increase at all and so he made up his mind he purposed in his heart that he would not be swayed this was a big test because the king had all power the king had given authority to an underling to enforce this so this was something the king wanted done and this was something he wanted enforced but Daniel purposed in his heart he wasn't going to do it now what king do we have to confront in everyday life that we'll purpose in our hearts we're not going to defile ourselves see the issue is not whether it was vegetarian or whether it was uh, uh, non-vegetarian whether it was well done or raw whether it was in a blender or not in a blender or had so many vitamin supplements in it it was a defilement issue with him And that's the life we have to live as believers. We have to live everything on a defilement basis. Is it something that if I know that if I get used to this, it's going to put the king ahead of God? Or do I need to confront this thing right now while it's small before it gets real big? See, Daniel confronts it on a small thing issue. Food. But it's big in the eyes of God because it contributes to our defilement. Got me? In other words, how much money are you going to spend on tapes that talk about financial prosperity? As opposed to tapes that tell you the greatest commandment is love and how to love somebody you really have been on the outs with for years. How to mend some family breaches and fences. How, you, you know, see, those kinds of teachings get very little, very little attention. They get very little play. But the ones that tell you how to take the known world and how to have great uh, material things and all, they get... Tons of people writing in for that stuff. They get tons of people taking that stuff. Some of the people who say, sell tapes on, on your personal development, relationships, and so forth. They, some of them sell a lot of tapes, but after a while people don't buy them because they don't apply it. You got me? They just sit there and, and the boy, that was a nice teaching and let's sign up for the next conference so that we can get f- seats in the front row so maybe they'll take our picture on television, that kind of stuff. And so it can deteriorate very easily into a worldly type of component. So you have to purpose in your heart for certain things. You can't like... You can't not make up your mind about what does God really expect out of me? What am I, what am I supposed to be doing day by day uh, to show my love and my devotion? What does God really want me? This is how you purpose in your heart certain things. You don't do it because uh, it's, it's the end thing to do or we just had a teaching on it or you know somebody else taught on it too and all this kind of stuff. You, you gotta, you got to have something more than that in you. You got more than that in you. Much more than that in you. I was thinking about it. You know how many. 
people we have now that are on these and these are secular TV shows you know it's not even these people it used to be you had to sacrifice if you wanted to be a Christian and be on television and be in control of your whole program you had to find somebody who is willing to do that which really meant you had to pay usually meant you got to get out of your pocket and pay somebody to get you on there so that you can give the message hopefully that God gave you to give now we've got people who are curious about Christians and they're wanting to uh, uh, pose us in more of a negative light so they'll create a reality show for you if you let them go around and follow you around and follow your family and all this kind of stuff they'll they'll throw you a bone they'll throw you a union scale or whatever or they they cut back the number of times you're shown on television so they don't have to pay you so much but the filthy lucre thing always will will draw some people to it and so now you've got these christians who don't mind don't mind see the things that you do in public aren't just shown things that that you do in secret that God could forgive you of that were personal used to be personal between you and God now our public knowledge and you have to answer for those things that's your reputation now where your life was hid with Christ in God at one time like the world's word says now you're you're you sold that so that your your personal life now in other words the world gets to create your personal image instead of God creating it and you being a witness for him and allowing God total freedom in your life the way it used to be that's all changed now because now you've got a contract with somebody because the devil's deceived you into thinking you're interesting and you're more interesting than the average preacher so preaching for God and, and all of that is not the highest office you can attain to anymore in life. There's something you think is higher. And that's all that's happened to these people. They think there's a higher place for them to go. Uh, like, you know, the uh, being a bishop or a pastor, that's not high enough. God's called me to do something more now. So I'm leaving that behind. I'm going to the next level, you know. And so when people get into that level of deception then they're allowing the devil to create an image for them and they're really defiling what God originally put in them because they didn't purpose in their heart not to be moved off of that see when God calls you by your name and he calls you pastor he calls you other any other ministry gift office or he calls you his intercessor calls you a watchman or something like that that's your first last and final call folks he expects you to be faithful to that to the end that's what all of this is about those who endure to the end those who are faithful to the end will receive the crown of life all that stuff it's about your faithfulness to be the same little person you started off with whether they they talk about you a lot or they don't talk about you at all you're going to be the same that's purposing in your heart folks that that this is who you are and this is and you're gonna you're gonna max out on this identity and not go looking for something else so this is the strength of Daniel folks this is the strength this is it it all of it is summed up here in this one little phrase that happened to him when he first got into the palace and he got a lay of the land he looked around and found out what was really going on there 
And he said, you know what? He said, whether we have a tabernacle or a temple, we don't have a priesthood, we don't have a prophet, we don't have anything like that. I'm purpose in my heart. I'm not defiling myself with this stuff of the world. I'm not going over there. I don't want that. I want God. God was good enough for me when, when we were in Jerusalem. He was good enough for me. He's good enough for me in Babylon. You got me? So you can take me to the highest place Babylon has to offer. I'm still going to purpose in my heart. I'm not going to defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. These things go in one ear and one end and out the other. You know, as Jesus said, they perish with the using. They won't be here. If something happens to the king of Babylon and they capture everybody in here, his his deal could mess up. But I know God will be there forever. You know, he'll be there forever for me. And I'm going to stay true to him. So that's all this is about, folks. No matter what goes on in the world, if you're in a high place, you're in a low place, whatever place you're in, you must purpose certain things in your heart that you're not going to defile yourself not that you're going to not go past a certain level that you're not going to go there at all you got me because when you start going past the certain, well you know uh, I'm going to be here until they start talking about so and so no you just make up your mind if you're for God you're for God I don't care what they do out there you know some people think they can give a little bit on this and give a little bit on that and they're still okay with God. You got purpose in your heart, no defilement. You're not defiled, period. And anytime you embrace what the world has, that's a form of defilement. We start embracing these ideas. All Christians can be wealthy, supposed to be wealthy. We're supposed to have a world's goods. We're waiting on a wealth transfer. All this kind of nonsense. That's not what your life is about. Your life is not about that. My goodness, how are we going to win a world that's everybody? The world doesn't want that anymore. When they come sniffing around a Christian, they're done with that. And they see us talking about it. And they see how we are, are this, this thing in us is coming out to embrace it. It's a turnoff for them. It defiles them. So they will walk away from that. And we're stupid enough to sit there and want to garbage up on it. It's an abomination. And so we have to realize that that's what this life is about. Not defiling yourself. Purposing in your heart not to do it. And that's what Daniel did. He, he just made up his mind. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. But he did it in a way that was not rebellious. wasn't religious. It wasn't done to make anybody feel less than him. This is just something I feel I need to do for me. You know, and I'm I'm really thinking that I can't get involved in this because God has told me a certain way that I must live, and I just want to live that way. You know, you guys do what you want to do, but I'm going to live for God over here. And so he made a request for the, from the eunuch that he didn't have to eat that way, and he was brought a food that God approved of. Yeah, you know, God must approve of these things, folks. He's got to approve of these things. He's got to approve of the way we handle these things. He's got to approve of it. And so he says, <clears throat> the prince in verse 10, the prince of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who's given you this. And he says, I don't want you to, to look worse. I don't want this to have a negative effect on you. And so do you know that God can take care of how you appear to people? 
He can take care of that. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to uh, eat the seagrass and, uh, you know, the, the, everybody's buying these uh, bullet blenders and juicers and all this kind of stuff. You know, and I've been through this so many times in my life. I'm shocked people still do it. Everybody, you go to anybody's house anywhere and there's at least two or three juicers that they used to use that they don't use anymore. Or, you know, when the fad is through, you see them all on the, the table at people's garage garage sales or it's same thing with the weight loss stuff you know the uh in, insanity workout you know just that name right there is gonna make me go take another nap you know i'll just wake me up when all this insanity is over because uh, i ain't getting insane about this tent that i live in you understand what i'm saying because it's gonna pair it's gonna be left here you got me and my good mafia funeral People come up and stick a pin and you make sure you're dead, you know. I don't believe she died after all this. You know, she's been around so many years. Mm-hmm. Yes. That kind of stuff. Yeah, the tin is going, you know, it's going to perish too. It'll go back to dust. So we're not investing that much in it, you know. It's just ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. I was somewhere the other day and <laughs> woman was I always in Rachel's school and she she said now she said for the longest time I thought you were Rachel's mom I said really she said yeah because she said Ryan's her dad right and I said yeah I said I'm his mother's sister she said you couldn't be I said I like you how why haven't we spoken before I could have talked to you I mean could have been talking to you for months now never you know but the fact that I don't think about it, it's not on my mind. I'm not planning to go to a plastic surgeon. I don't. I'm not. I don't have time for that. I'm not going to put money out. It's nothing. Does not cross my mind. What does cross my mind is the Word of God that says He renews my youth every day. I'm waiting for it to hit every poor part of my body and carry my little tent for the rest of the years I have to carry it around this earth and and that's the end of that folks not looking to you know if I thought people really came for how I looked my goodness I'd never show up (laughs) and most other preachers wouldn't either please give me a break so Daniel purposed in his heart, folks, if you don't get anything else out of this teaching, you star that, underline it, highlight it, whatever we do nowadays. But that's that's the whole, that's what's going to take you, what you purpose in your heart to do. Because once your heart gets involved in it, trust me, folks, faith will start to work. Your your mind will start to kick out things that don't line up with it automatically. You'll start getting hungry for the word that supports it. All that kind of stuff. It'll be an automatic thing. So you got a purpose in your heart for certain things and not get talked out of them by your lazy soul that doesn't want you to go anywhere, do anything, or wants to always make excuses and rationalize everything and reason everything out. You don't need that. You just need to purpose in your heart and let God show up and help you. Because that's what's going to cause God's help to come to you. What you purpose in your heart to do. So Daniel found that he could honor God this way. This was his way to honor his God. And I think that's something we don't talk about a lot anymore. That's something people don't think is that important anymore. But I'm telling you what you do. 
to put a good reflection on God. What you do to, to let people, God, I want people to know that you're a good God through me. I want them, them to know that they, that you're a loving God. You could, you're a trustworthy God through me, God. Let that happen through me. And so when we make up our minds, we're going to honor God, then the rest of it is up to Him, folks. The rest of it's a free ride as far as you're concerned. When you honor God, you'll find that so much will come into your hands that you couldn't get on your own. It'll blow your mind. Uh, Things that open doors that'll come to you. The best of everything will come to you first. You'll get it first before anybody else gets it because of of the God that you serve. He'll honor you that way. So Daniel just did that one thing, refused to defile himself with the king's meat. We got to decide what the king's meat is in our life. What things defile us. Sometimes we wander. Some people think everything's about them. You know. And, and we we get caught up in. Uh, trying to create. This kind of image for ourselves. That we think we want to. We want to live out of. You know. Uh, we want to be somebody who's known as this. And who's known as that. And you know we want this opportunity. And that opportunity. Just for ourselves. But if you'll purpose in your heart. Not to defile yourself. And God keep me from the wicked way. Keep me from ways that, that don't benefit you and what you're trying to do in this or keep me in the center of your will keep me and it starts in your heart and in your mind what you think about you know what do you what what what's in your mind most of the time you know uh, how to help people how to get the word more active in your life how to do more uh, uh lining up with the word of god how to challenge yourself to do more things by faith and quit shrinking back in fear of everything you know when a thought comes to you for for how to advance in life don't let you talk yourself out of it because you think you can't do it you know that's that's number one killer that's a defilement right there is that i can't do it Uh, that impotence that hits you when you start thinking about you you know i can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God you give me the strength and I'll do it. I'm, I'm trusting you to be my strength. I'm trusting you to be my wisdom. Trusting you to be my sanctification. My holiness. That I can get through this thing undefiled. Because the devil's not snagging me every time I turn around. With some goofy thought I keep holding on to. I, I'm 100% yours. And that's what Daniel purposed in his heart to do. And so uh, uh, Daniel was brought into God. This was his this was his immediate reward for that. Verse 9. Verse 8 he purposes in his heart. Verse 9 he's immediately rewarded. All you had to do was act on that thing, that idea inside of you, that God idea that you were not going to go man's way, you're going to go God's way. That God idea. That's that's the one we're talking about. And it immediately it said verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and tender, tender love of the eunuchs. See. Because he made up his mind. He wouldn't go and go in the world's way. I don't care what it costs me. I'm not going to do it. All Daniel really saw at risk. Was a place he didn't really care to be anyway. See when when being important the way the world sees importance is your meat 
that's going to be a killer of purposing in your heart against defilement. There are some people who like just being around the important people. Period. It's a defiling thing. See, Daniel made up his mind. It didn't matter to him. If he was in the king's court. If he was in the basement. If he was where he was. See, that's that's what the enemy does. He puts these things at risk that we're not supposed to savor anyway. You know, if you do this, you're never going to get beyond this point. You're never going to get here. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get. Mm. So he's always blackmailing God's people with prominence as far as the world is concerned. See, we're not supposed to be about that anyway. But you look around you at the the ones who are. It, it would kill some of them not to have 10,000 people in their church. Because they, they kill everybody trying to get there. And when they get there they find out they don't have what they need to maintain it. And they lose it. There's so many empty mega churches now. I remember when they first started building them that big back in the 80s. All the big ones that they built back there pretty much are gone. The ones that are still there ones are stuck with the basics of the gospel. You got me. They're stuck with the basics. And they're still teaching the baby sheep how to love God. How to love the word. How to love their families. How to take care of their families. How to be consistent. They're teaching them the same basic things over and over and over again but there are so many who feel like their their goal is to get beyond that you see and they crush a lot of people in their stepping up to something great for them and so we have to make sure that it's not in us to want to be whatever the world values we don't really want that. We want to be servants of God. And mostly you'll find that a congregation will level out at a certain level that's manageable for that ministry. I was uh, watching uh, uh, Fred Price. He talked years ago. He said, well, we still got some empty seats back here and they're still empty, you know, because he that was what he could manage. You know, he was able to manage that level of, of uh, congregation, teaching them a word. He still teaches them the same basic things on faith. His son still teaches them the same basic things on faith because that's what God's entrusted. That's their message that he's entrusted that to them and they made up their minds they're going to be trustworthy over it if God blesses them with more people they have more seats to accommodate them but they're not killing themselves or anybody else trying to beat you know beat people up to get them get them filled up you know some people spend tons of money on websites and mailing lists and things of that nature and buses and bringing people in and all that kind of There's nothing wrong with it but if God's called you to that but if you're doing that so that you can feel what it means to be the greatest thing the biggest this the great you know that's wrong it's wrong it's a defilement and so what you purpose in your heart is very important it'll bring you favor it'll bring you that people want to go out on a limb with you and do things for you and so there Daniel was and he was able to prove himself with that verse 13 let our countenances be looked upon before you that the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat as thou seest deal with thy servants so he consented to them to this manner and proved them 10 days so Daniel was proven 10 days eating 
what he felt was suitable what God had given them way back in the law of Moses that was acceptable for them to eat and at the end of 10 days in verse 15 their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So when you stick with God, you purpose in your heart to stick with God, you'll shine out as being better in countenance. Your, your face will reflect the shine of God. There will be a health there. There will be a substance there. There will be attractiveness there that will outshine anything the world can do. And that's true of all your facelift loving preachers out there. If they'll stick with the word of God, their countenance will stand out. You can't tell me Joyce Meyer looks better having her face carved up. And I don't know how many times she's had to have a repeat. But she's going to have to have some more. Because once you get into that, that scar tissue will not allow your face to be normal anymore. So you sign up for multiple facelifts. You got me? Whoever else is getting them out. There's a bunch of them out there getting them now. They sneak and getting them. But I know they're getting them. You understand what I'm saying? Because they never hit confidence. You don't have, hear anybody out there now saying. I use the word for my appearance. They used to say it. They tried to. When Brother Hagen used, would get on their case. Because he used the word for everything. They would jump on the word and try it. You understand what I'm saying? But they was thinking in the back of their mind. Well if this don't work. You know I got to look at my face on TV every day. I don't see I can stand that. You know. But you can stand it. But you've got to rely on the word. If you can trust the word to get your bills paid. and everything, Why can't you trust the word with your body? This makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. It'll be a good challenge for you to withstand the pressures of the worldliness that is around you if you can trust God with everything don't tell me it doesn't make a difference it does at some point you'll get to a crosswords where crossroad where the world can't do anything for you anymore they run out of answers in fact they're out of answers already your best deal is to, to trust God as much as you can from the beginning so that you don't get get uh, uh, to rely on what the world does ever ever that shouldn't be your what you rely on you know you rely on what God has for you if God directs you a certain place or something like that it's something different but you go to God first it'll shock you what God will do for you if you go to him instead of going your usual route you know take a diff take a detour sometimes and see what God has in store for you so in 10 days getting off that stuff Daniel looked better all it took was a 10 day test it's not about taking forever for God to show you something you know it's amazing if we trust God how little time it takes for him to show that he's superior to the world's methods to show you that his methods are superior to the world's methods. So when we're too big on the king's portion. You know what do you, you. You know we all can cut back on some things. And rely on God more. You know sometimes too much TV. Too much gossip. Too much listening to nonsense. 
too many games you know it's, I look at my little phone and all the downloads on there most of them I know what they are it just sounded good I said can I use this I'll ask somebody is this something I can use what you think it sounded good so I'll put it on there and they look at it and they say well I don't know if you Uses. Yeah, I guess guess I just better stick with the phone portion. <laughs> if I can if I can master all the phone, I'm doing good. You know, a little email and stuff. But uh you know. But we're always looking to get into more. You understand what I'm saying? To getting in deeper. Daniel didn't do that. He just cut it off. He's nah, I'm not going there. I don't know where this is gonna lead. And I'm not going there. I'm gonna keep God up there in in first place. And so they, the king had them come in. They stood before the king. And, and in verse 20, it shows you the payoff. See? In all manner of understanding. They're, they're t- ten times greater. You know, found them ten times better than everybody that's in the natural. Now, if you have this going for you in God, why get involved in nonsense that the world is? It's because we never purpose in our hearts not to cross that line. Never. You got a purpose in your heart not to go beyond a certain level. It's got to be done. You got to make up your mind. I don't care who preaches it. I don't care how much fun it looks. I don't care if everybody in the church is doing it. I'm not going. To, I purpose in my heart not to go beyond a certain level in the way I live my life. Not going there. I don't care. Cross back over again. If you cross the line. But come back and purpose in your heart. Everything's not for you. Everything's not good for you. And everything's not prescribed by God for you. And this little thing that church people get in them, they kind of like dare themselves to go over and do these certain things. You know, and think they can always come back like Samson. Go sleep with a harlot and shake it off. There's some stuff you can't shake off. The wages of sin is still death. It's going to catch up with you at some point. When you least, it's always when people think they they got away with something, is when it shows up. The wages start to pay off, and so you you can't you have to purpose in your heart not to defile yourself. You you start out a certain way with God, and and life will test you. You know you start out a certain way with God, you got to stay with that way in Him. You can't get up there and get prominent and start taking ideas from everybody. You know, these things have to be purposed in your heart from when you were small. It's amazing when we're small and nobody knows us. We're so devoted to God. God, just show me. I won't do this. I won't get involved in that. And I won't. I gave up work in the world when I got saved. And I found out God wanted me to, to work for him. And everything that I've ever tried to make extra money never goes anywhere. Why? Because I'd be it'd be defiling me. You understand me? And God'll remind me. He said, "Remember way back when?" I said, "Oh." But God, uh, you know, like now it's different. No, it's not. I'm the same. You the same. <laughs> Cut it out. So when I realized that that was a sincere vow on my part and God was helping me to keep it, I quit goofing around. You got me? 
we can purpose in our heart certain things and never veer over into areas where we're not supposed to be you know I promised God I wouldn't wear slacks in the pulpit I don't care who else wears them I care less I don't wear I don't I don't show my calves my skirts don't get that short y'all don't come here to look at my legs or look at nothing else I'm a voice you understand and I keep it that way it's nonsense you know, people just get really stupid. You get saved. You get set apart by God that makes you feel honored and feel special. And then you go throw it away because you're trying to compete with somebody somewhere else. That ain't got half the brains you got. You know, if you stay with God, verse 20 will be in matters of wisdom you'll, and understanding. You'll be so ahead of people in the world. But we never get there for trying to be like them. Get saved with nothing. God gives you something and it goes to your head. This is crazy. Then people are dropping like flies all over the place because they can't pass the don't look like the world test. Because we're, he's finding out what's really in our hearts. Is the devotion to God really in your heart the way it's supposed to? Well, so we find that out. What's the king's portion in your life? You've got to find what that is. You've got a purpose in your heart. You don't want it. You don't care how attractive it looks. You don't care how many other preachers are doing it. You don't want it. Got me? So <clears throat> Daniel's pattern was to serve God continually. Verse 8 we see that he purposed in his heart. and He was promoted. And the other Hebrew men who served with him. Were a part of that court. Daniel was tested on the food thing. The others went along with him. It appears. But then they have to. God's got to find out what's in their hearts too. You got me? So their test is going to come. And so it's always around the corner folks. It, it, you never you never can just recite everything to God and he say, "Well, I'll 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 take that. You don't have to take the test." No, you take the test like everybody. We don't have any special classes. You know, for A students or something like that. You got to take the test. So, <clears throat> why do we have to be tested? Well, our faith and commitment to God must be known as a witness for us. This goes way beyond anything you think it is. But there is a witness that we give and a testimony that we give that's heard in heaven and earth and under the earth. And these are the places of our witness. And we have to be tested so that witness is heard. It's not heard until we're tested. What you say before heaven and earth and the forces of hell makes all the difference in the world. That is your testimony and that's your witness. When we witness, we demonstrate by our lifestyle whom we serve and who we honor. So we have to honor God. With our words. We have to honor God with the way we live. We honor God the way we spend our money. Honor God the way we relate to friends and enemies. You got me? You have to honor God in all these ways. This is our witness. If we honor God. He'll be with us in the testing. Isn't that wonderful? In other words. God is your cheat sheet. He's right there with you. And whispering answers to you in the test. Guiding you, coaching you. Why? This is not a test for you to fail. This is a test for you to pass. 
<laughs> huh? So if we honor God, he'll be with us and he's coaching us, giving us all the help we need for our success. But know this, that on your own, you're ten times wiser. Just what he's imparted to you. But don't try to rely on that and think that's your possession. Because God doesn't have to make it available to you. Okay? Him being with you should be the most important thing in your life. Not whether you get a raise, not whether you get a promotion, not whether you get your bills paid, but Him with you. It's got to be the most important thing in your life. <clears throat> he is our help and our victory. And he's the one who won't fail us. He won't fail us. If we go through the test without him, then we endure sufferings, the sufferings of the world, just like worldly people do. There becomes no difference. So if we defile ourselves by engaging in the love of the world, things that the world loves, when difficult times come, we go through it with, and the Bible says he'll be merciful to who he'll show mercy, you know, to whom he'll show mercy. He's sovereign in that respect. So sometimes people get a, a bailout or a let, late bailout, like Jim Baker. People eventually found that the the sentence that was given to him was overly harsh. And they they nullified some of his sentence. But it took him coming back to God. If you read his, his book that he wrote while he was in there. You can almost mark the day where he repented. And came back to God. And God began to trust him again. And reinstitute some things for him. But before that he was treated worse than a, an infidel. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because that's God's word too. Huh? If a man doesn't take care of his responsibilities, godly responsibility, the Bible says he's denied the faith and God take, treats him worse than an unbeliever. And so you, you get out of faithfulness with God and see if you don't see how, how a believer, how could a believer go through all of that? Well, he's a Christian. How could you go through all of that? Well, you're either going through, it depends on who's with you in it. Depends greatly on who's with you in these things. So if we go through the test without God. We endure the sufferings of the world just like worldly people do. I refer to it as, as natural. You just get the natural results. You live as a natural person. Now you may have an edge because you understand some things. Spiritual things. But you don't know if they're going to work for you here. Because you've let go of the one who owns that stuff. God owns the gifts of the Spirit. He owns his wisdom. He owns all of those things. So if you if you give yourself over to the natural, you gotta ride it out naturally. You know? It's like uh, I'll I'll see people sometimes they'll uh you know, we've been standing on the word and standing on the word where their health is concerned and they'll finally wind up going to the doctor. I said, Well you gotta wait till they release you because instead of giving it to God by the Spirit and when the devil says, I'm gonna kill you <laughs> you say, I'm going to kill you. You understand what I'm saying? You don't answer that back. And so if you don't answer that back, you never get to the next level in God. And so you shrink back and you get natural help. Well, you got to wait till they release you. Howard did that. Remember Howard's testimony about the heart thing? That's been almost 10 years ago. He thought he, thought he was 
what did he was he pulling monkey in around with his blood pressure medicine or something like that and you know that kind of stuff and if you're taking medicine take it according to this prescription take the word you know some people won't take the word they're over on the natural but think they're supernatural but anyway he was in there and they were giving him all these tests and stuff like that and he kept calling for prayer and and I told him I said well it's up to you how long you're going to put up with this you know and I hang up the phone no prayer <laughs> you use your faith put your big boy pamps on now and man up and you know so you know you 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 obey God if I thought he was going to die or something I wouldn't hang up the phone but he's got it in him and I know he's got God told, told me he's got it in him to, to do this and so he's you know he's well okay I said it's up to you Howard we call pastor he called pastor Shirley sneaking behind her back and behind my working both her well it's up to you Howard it's up to you how long you're gonna you're gonna put up with this it's up to you so he said they were getting ready to give him a test and the machine broke down and they told him he'd be a couple of days they don't know when the machine was gonna be fixed he said well you know what I think <laughs> he said but I saw that machine broke down I I said well God I'm getting out of here I mean, this is no place for me finally clicked you know that's where that was not for him but see if if you when the natural releases you you see what I'm saying you have to ride it out until that natural course is run but stay with the word keep plug it along with the word we've all been there and you'll get out of that realm where 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 natural things seem real to you see that's one area but you know you have to purpose in your heart that you're not going to be defiled with the world's methods of doing things people well what do you mean you can't never go to a doctor I didn't tell you that but what do you want what's in your heart that you want to do you want to trust God this is how you trust him you trust him by trusting him if you want to trust man's methods that's how you do that I don't need to tell you how to do that and so this is this is what you're up against you're up against whether or not you've purposed in your heart to go God's way he won't turn you over to man if you purposed in your heart to go his way he doesn't have more confidence in doctors than he does in himself you got me so if you want to trust him in that then you can 100% trust him in it but make sure you understand that you're going to have some tense times you know some times where the devil tell you he can do this stuff and it'll seem real real to you but you must answer him back with the word of God and so <clears throat> when we uh, when we get beyond natural results though you can stand in the supernatural of God see and you honor God by allowing him to stand with you in these things see? this is how we honor him we honor him uh, when when the Bible says honor your father and mother because that's the first commandment with promise is the same thing with God as your father when you honor him that you get the promises fulfilled in your life if your witness is shot then confusion results and many people shoot their witness because they dishonor God by not purposing in their hearts to stay with him no matter what the cost. The devil always makes it look like he can do something to you but he can't. Mm. So you always have to answer him. You talk back. Don't let him get the last word in any conversation because that word is what will follow you. If you speak the word of God then the word of God follows you. 
And you don't let him have the last word. So you don't ever let him you know, let, listen to his nonsense and don't answer him back. So you don't want your witness to be shot. You don't want your life to be filled with the confusion of the devil. So you want you want the purity of what God can do for you. Because he'll, he'll go with you in anything that assaults you. He'll, he'll be right there with you. He's a present help in your trouble. So... <clears throat> What they, uh, uh, <clears throat> what we we have to do is examine our hearts and examine what's in there. And you know, God, I don't want any wayward thing in me that's going to pull me astray from from Your will for my life. And and you know, I I remember a lot of my early uh, activity as a Christian was around the area of staying devoted to God. And the more I reflect on that, the more I know that that's got to be an ongoing focus of the Christian's walk. You can't ever not focus on your devotion to God as being the primary thing that's going to make a difference in your life. So the whole issue here is God's honor in your life. That's, that, that's what he's after. So in Daniel 3 we see the, the Hebrew boys and their, <laughs> their trial. What time do we have, Miss Juana? How many more minutes? Let me let me do this other part first. I think I'll finish up with that because that's the way I structured this to begin with. I wanted to talk a little bit about your witness, your testimony, and the the uh, impression you leave in the earth. The Bible speaks of it as a savor, or an odor, or fragrance. That's your witness. Your ultimate witness is the impression, the spiritual impression that you make on people. Whether it's a sweet savor of Christ or whether it's the smoke of the world. Are you leaving the odor of the smoke of the world where you go or are you emanating this odor of Christ? Now God ordained that on every altar incense would be burned. And if you think of your heart as the altar of God, because that's the seat of your, your, your spirit, your heart, that's the seat of your devotion to God, that's the seat of your uh, activity in God, that's, that's where all of your ideas and hopes and dreams pass through on that altar before you pray, that, that is offered up. On the inside of your heart. The Bible says that we are a temple of God. Every temple has an altar. And that altar is your heart. What's in your heart? Did you purpose in your heart not to defile yourself? You purpose in your heart to obey the word of God. You purpose in your heart that whatever comes you're going to stay devoted to God. You purpose in your heart you're not going to betray uh, the people of God. Who have sown into your life and helped your life and all that kind of stuff. Are you, you really purposing in your heart to be that all around good kid that God so loves remember the one we wanted to be when we first got saved we wanted all better oh, I'm God's favorite I know I'm God's favorite yeah we used to have that you know you have favor with God yeah I'm God's favorite I'm God's well you know we all shot our hand up you know we're all his favorite but that's where you you want to be your heart clings to be that person and, and be in that place and so if, if that's true, then your heart then, the things that you desire, 
What do you burn for on the inside of you? Those things have to emit a certain odor in the earth. They, they have to. When you talk to people about what you like in this world, that, that odor has to be there. That savor has to be there. You have to be careful not to speak too highly of worldly things. You know, that can't be in your heart to want to do. Uh, you know, certain things you take as, as blessings from God, but they're not in your heart that you have to have those things. You know, this is, this, this uh, altar on the inside is very important to God. And we saw how Daniel purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to go that way. He said, nope, that's going to, I can see where that leads to. I'm not doing that. So, you know, and, and, and he stuck with it. No matter what it cost him, he stuck with it. And so that's that's real important to God. But in Genesis 8.21, we see uh, God receiving an offering from Noah. And this was <coughs> one that, um, where incense was offered or where the savor of a, a sweet aroma came up to God. So we get the understanding here that when our heart burns for something, that it emits an odor to God. It's either uh, pleasing to him or not pleasing to him. And to me, these things are very important. It says here, verse 20, Noah built an ark altar to the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar and the Lord smelled a sweet savor from his offering it was offered with a pure heart and so God made a covenant this offering this sacrifice that Noah made set in motion God's promise never to destroy the earth again so does how we smell quote unquote to God is that important, do you think? It makes all the difference in the world. The, the condition of our heart when we're offering up our prayers is very important to God. That's why you take time here to confess your sins. That's why you take time here to purify and sanctify yourself before God. So that you can assure that that sweet odor is coming forth from you. And you're not smelling like something else. You got me? So we can smell like a lot of things to God. But you want to have that sweet savor. So I believe that savor came because he honored God and served him. And he purposed in his heart that he was going to please God with his offering. So the first of what he had he offered up to God. In Exodus 30 verses 31 through 38, God gave instructions that he wanted incense burnt on a separate altar by the people. So they had altars for sacrifice, but they also had uh, an altar for incense. And here he gives the components of the incense to Moses. God's very specific about everything that he wants. Exodus 30 verse 34. One of the reasons God's specific is because it's not that he's so picky. It's that he wants to guide everything that we do. He already has an idea in mind. And I think that's wonderful to know. All we have to do is let go of our nonsense and flow with his idea. You know, makes it so easy. But so often we got our own ideas. Don't want to let them go. In verse 34, the Lord said to Moses, Take unto you sweet spices, stasia, 
<coughs> this uh, onkia, these are, are galbanum sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight. So it's equal parts of all of these spices. Some of them are, are uh, perfumey enhancers. Some of them make the scent last longer. That kind of thing. So this is something that perfumers will read and get ideas from it. Uh, because I think the, the one, the first one is something they still use to uh, prolong the odor of certain notes in a perfume. You know, that, that to do that is a very complex thing. You know, people who make really nice, good smelling perfumes and make a lot of money have to know what they're doing. And here God put the, <laughs> put the prescription right there. He says, make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. So you had to beat this stuff down till it was a fine powder. And then you, uh, you put a, some of it very small, put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. Well, I'll meet with you and she'll be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which you shall make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be holy for the Lord. So don't use this at home. You got me? Don't put it in there with y'all other stuff. Now it's kind of interesting that uh, I think it was frankincense. After it was burnt down the charred franken stuff was used but you know the dark eyeliner the Egyptians you see that on that's what they used to adorn themselves was the burnt chart of the frankincense so see the the thing that we consider holy is always an abomination to the world you got me they just never catch on they don't know how to keep the holy holy and the profane profane remember when Moses said we need to go a four days journey in the a three days journey in the wilderness because our sacrifice is an abomination to the Egyptians you got me so you have to keep it separate in order for it to remain undefiled and have its pure meaning for God God made them had them make this for him not for them and so it's to be kept for God. Anything you offer up and sanctify and give to God must be kept for God. You can't take it back when you want to. You got me? You know, I mean, it's, it's it just makes sense. You know, if you're a tither, keep that tithe in God's hands. The minute you start goofing around or getting a goofy idea, see, you got a purpose in your heart about certain things. You can't make it then I'll do it next time or there's a good reason for it or we got this emergency you have no emergency in your life that God didn't know was coming before it came it might have taken you off guard but God knew what it was way before it showed up in your life and he already made provision for it if you need provision you got me many of the things that we spend money on if we Ask God to settle them for us. He could do it without us coming out of our pockets. I've proven that so many times. The devil gets you in a rush about something. He gets you in a fever about something. And you know you got to take your rent money. You don't take your. You don't take God's tithe. You don't take anything. And and buy the devil's favor with it. You know you you let God settle these things. He's your God. He's your Father. There's nothing that He won't get involved with. Thing is, people don't trust God. I found that they say they do, but they don't.
They want to go do it themselves, and because it, it's going to take too long. Because somebody's telling me I got to do it now, and, it, and it, it takes forever to get it resolved, even with your, your helping yourself. And so, if you don't place these things over in God's hands. You won't understand how he can work for you. You'll always be struggling. You'll always be barely making it. You'll always have some issue with lack because you don't put these things over into the Lord's hands. And so you have to trust God with everything, folks. You have to trust him with everything. And so this incense, God says, you make that for me. I don't want you burning it for yourself. I know it smells good coming out there, but it ain't yours. It's mine. So certain things really do belong to God. Now, from over the years, the incense and the aroma of the tabernacle has also become synonymous with the prayers of the saints. So you'll see that in Revelation 8, 3 and 4. There were bowls of incense in heaven which are the prayers of the saints so the altar in your heart then becomes a place of expression of your worship it's a place of expression of your praise a place of expression of your needs and your desires and your wants hopefully your prayers include thanksgiving your prayers include adoration your prayers include all of those things that are uh, that enhance your savor uh, before the lord so in Second Corinthians 2, and then I think we can finish up on, on the incense aspect of, of um, our, um, how we smell. What do you offer up to God? What you smell like? <laughs> Praise God. Second Corinthians 2. I know back in the days before men put on so much cologne and stuff you know if, if somebody walked in the room and they noticed an odor it was usually a woman nowadays you, they can't smell you for smelling them I'm thinking to myself come on when did this when did this flip over I mean and some of them be loud too brother you know yeah you get them but they be stinking real good as, as uh, my husband used to say to me he said mm, you stink good tonight I said thank you thank you and thank you all right second corinthians two fourteen. now thanks be unto god which always causes us to triumph in christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place so we're emitting an understanding to people that god's with us they know God's you almost don't have to open your mouth and tell them anything about the Lord but there's I've heard people say this I, I knew there was something different something special they'll always say something special about you you know later on they find out I'm a Christian or something but I knew there was something so that's the sweet savor of Christ thanks be unto God which causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us at every place through so it comes through your overcoming causes us to triumph through this triumphing his savor is made manifest it's not made manifest if you're complaining if you're whining if you're carrying on and if you smell like smoke those are smoke <laughs> manifestations or if you're giving the devil a lot of glory by talking about how much he's, you know, in your life and all that. What a hard time he's giving you. 
you know if you're triumphing in Christ I thank you father that I am healed I thank you Lord that I have prospered and come beyond the level of whatever whatever I thank you but even if you're not there yet you keep emitting that savor that's what's on the altar of your heart and that's what you're bringing forth he says for we are unto God a sweet savor in Christ you got me you stay in the spirit of God don't get off in the flesh being stupid you stink over there he says in them that are saved and in them that perish so people sinners can smell it and saints can smell it he says to to the one we are a savor of death unto death they know the end's coming when Christians show up see this is why when Christians get in front of the world they want to get you to admit to being just like them they want you to to uh, applaud sin like they do or go soft on sin they want you to do that because they smell that death savor on you they know that's why they call Christians haters they want the way to you know if you teach against homosexuality now that's a hate crime well he's just gonna have to put me in jail you understand what I'm saying because I purposed in my heart that I'm not gonna defile myself by getting scared of my life are you kidding me get real so anyway, he says they are we, one is a savor of death unto death, and to the other a savor of, of life unto life. Christians should be glad you're around. We should be glad around each other, folks, not the other way around. He says, and the other, and and who is sufficient for these things? So anyway, he's saying that this this savor of Christ that we emit when we're victorious in Him causes. And see, this is why people in the world are always trying to, if, they'll, if they can corral you and intimidate you, that's the way they like to deal with this savor. They're dealing with this incense, this perfume that comes from us when we're in Christ and we're victorious over our own flesh, our own uh, lustful things that we used to seek after. When we're victorious and we're out of that realm, they hate it. And they want us all to back down and get in corners so that we can all be afraid to, to deny to, to marry same sex people or deny all, the, all this kind of stuff. You know, they think if they can get the Christian to renounce God and renounce Christ, then they can do what they want to do. But there's still a God in heaven. I don't care if every preacher he ever ordained turns on him, there's still a God in heaven to contend with. So, what are you going to do about that? People in the world who think you have all the power in the world because you got a TV program and you got money. They can't take any of that with them and it's not going to get them in heaven either. They can talk about all these people, these sinners die and they're angels up there looking at. They can talk all that crap they want to. But at the end of the day, if the blood of Jesus isn't paying for their sins, they're, they're not going to go anywhere but to a fiery hell. And so as much as, as we as believers will be put to the test we've got to make sure that in our hearts it's got to be made up already before you get there if it's not made up already and you got some wavering in you or you got room to compromise with God's word and his principles you're already a dead person already and so we have to make sure that as Daniel did, you got to know what you what you going to do before you even get there. You got purpose in your heart before you get to the place of temptation that you're not crossing the line ever for nobody nowhere. I don't care how many people write into your ministry and tell you you could be doing this and you no, we're not doing it. 
we're doing what we always did. That's a done deal. That's a made up mind and that's a purposed heart. We're not going to. Our heart is fixed. We trust in God and we're not wavering from it. Amen. Father we thank you for your word and for your ability to help us to understand your word and where we are in this hour as far as the church is concerned father we thank you that you have a world view of a victorious church that can stand where you've called us to stand that we're without spot wrinkle or any such thing and we thank you and we honor you for it today lord in jesus name amen praise god if anybody needs